0: Topics discussed are for educational purposes only. Now, welcome Integrative Dietitians Allie Miller and her co host Becky Yu.
1: Welcome to episode 118 of the Naturally Nourished Podcast. You are joining us for our first episode of 2019. Woohoo! And Yeah. Happy New Year. (laughs) If you got caught up in the hustle and bustle of the holidays, which is very understandable, um, go ahead and go back and listen to episode 116. That was last week. We released that on – oh, no. Two weeks ago on Christmas Eve, we released Endocrine Disruptors. That was episode 116. And then last week we – Uh, released episode 117, which was three approaches to fat burn. And then even all the way back to 114 on immune health and 115 on antioxidants. I think that there was a lot of awesome information. So I want to make sure you don't miss it just because of holiday commitments and being busy. So this is a great time to snap on your power listening (laughs) and catch up to speed.
2: Binge listen those while you're, you know, hitting the gym a little bit more often maybe or walking outside if it's nice enough um, for your New Year's resolutions. Um, 114 is one that I keep sending to clients because, you know, immune health doesn't stop at New Year's. We're looking at... No, it doesn't. (laughs) You know, until March-ish with kind of the gunk of cold and flu season and then beyond. So that's a really good one to go back and listen to with some really practical tips and insights into things you can do in your own home to keep your family healthy through the holidays. I think that was probably my favorite, favorite episode of those couple that we released over the holidays.
1: And I already know we're going to have a follow-up episode on the antioxidant ones. In fact, today we are talking about real food keto, and we're going to talk a little bit about natural sweeteners or my favorite keto sweeteners and pull back on some of the concepts that we talked about in episode 89, why I hate non-caloric sweeteners, um, and really identify what a whole food is. But the antioxidant episode will further emphasize the importance of phyto compounds, eating in variety, and really hone in on what an antioxidant is and the importance of getting vegetables, fruits, and plant-based compounds into your diet to support optimal health.
2: Awesome. And then that three approaches to fat burn episode is a great one to listen to, again, as a way to kickstart your new year and ramp it up, whether it's with intermittent fasting or with keto. And then we talked about some of the micronutrient recommendations and some supplement recommendations, um, as well as some food strategy around ramping up your fat burn.
1: Yep. Yep. For sure. So check it all out. And so today's episode, we will be talking about real food keto. I am super stoked to spend this next hour really breaking down my unique approach on this topic. It's something that I am incredibly passionate about and I think is kind of a unique stripe in the ketogenic world, uh, emphasizing real foods. And by real food, I am talking about a whole non- processed we'll re-identify how you can identify a whole food today um, but whole non-processed foods as priority of nourishment first and foremost and then within the world like I said of real food we're going to talk about sweetener strategy for sustainable outcomes in your ketogenic lifestyle oh my gosh someone's gonna call the keto police Allie. <laughs> I know I can't wait you know you're doing something right when you start to get haters. <laughs> All right, so we all know about
2: non-caloric sweeteners and that they're not whole foods, but we'll have more on that in a moment. I want to talk first about priorities with ketosis in terms of where quality fits in a diet that seems to be more quantity or like macro-based. Kind of how do we take that to the next level in our own keto program um, and in the keto that we. Recommend to our clients because not all keto is the same. Not all keto is created equal.
1: That's very true. Yes. So I think that, you know, we focus on macros in the beginning because it's first about limiting carbs. Obviously, you cannot convert your body from being a sugar burner to a fat burner without strategic carb restriction. So I totally agree that the first priority as far as the ketogenic diet goes, not just optimal eating, but as far as the ketogenic diet is to limit carbs. Then still focusing on kind of numbers and macros, I think the next priority is the dance of figuring out your fat threshold. So we see this often when we work with clients that may have been doing keto for years but maybe have hit a roadblock or aren't able to get fat adapted, we want to find that sweet spot of their fat intake where they are gaining satiety and they're, uh, you know, not dealing with hunger and cravings, but yet they're also not hindering their own metabolism of body fat as fuel, right? We see a lot of times if you just focus on numbers and you're focusing on keeping your fat dominant, that you could be overeating and you could be eating in excess calories and that's going to increase your body's fat stores versus burn your body's fat stores. So once you've limited your carbs and you start producing ketones, then you want to really kind of nail down your fat threshold and, and find that sweet spots so that if you have excess body fat, you're catabolizing and using your own fat as fuel and marrying that with the diet. And that's where protein comes into play as such an important macronutrient as well. You know, protein can play a big role in supporting our immune health, in playing a role with uh, amino acids that help to balance neurotransmitters for mood stability, cognitive function. We see as a huge sign of protein malnourishment, hair loss in the ketogenic community, and chronic fatigue. So bumping up protein often and throwing off your macros from the perfect pie wheel of fat dominance is sometimes the sweet spot for clients to optimize their keto experience. And that's still just all talking quantity and numbers in in that kind of philosophy and breakdown.
2: And then macros can shift and change. Like you were saying, we may need to go up on protein if we're seeing increased fatigue or muscle loss or hair loss or something like that. But those macros are not um, static. They can change during your keto process. And as you see weight loss and with your body's just evolution in general, right?
1: Totally. Right. So as you lose body fat as fuel, then you're going to ramp up the fat in the diet, you know, and it's it's a, it's a kind of a cat and mouse game of understanding where your body is metabolically speaking and then the demands, like you said, Becky, on your system. So that's where, you know, macronutrient balance is something that will evolve and change. And we even want to take into account things like exercise, our state of our microbiome, our stress, our sleep patterns. And as we get deep down into these complex mechanisms of things like the HPA axis and leptin um, and cortisol, so leptin being that satiety hormone, right, or cortisol being the stress hormone or looking at markers of the microbiome like lipopolysaccharide, LPS. Uh, That's where we really start to get into a deeper connection of whole body health. And this is where we really have to adjust those macros to connect with the body's needs. So as an example, to go down the rabbit hole and and emphasize quality – If we're dealing with, for instance, like insomnia or onset of anxiety, maybe we're feeling that keto high in the beginning, but all of a sudden now we're dealing with insomnia and anxiety and hunger. Maybe that individual has gone from leptin resistance to optimized leptin. That's when they were feeling that keto high and now they're dealing with leptin depletion. So this individual, you know, may not do well with intermittent fasting. This individual may need to up their fat, and they may even need to consider carb cycling, especially if they're at an ideal weight or underweight or at a low body fat. Another individual who has excessive body fat and is overweight may need to practice tighter intermittent fasting to uh, really create more docking of those leptin receptors or create more uh, leptin sensitivity. So there's always going to be a starting point and a modifiable factor. And that's where really working with a functional practitioner or having. A feedback, like in our keto program, is a really great way to dig beyond macros and start to look at these underlying mechanisms, dysbiosis, inflammation, adrenal fatigue, hypothyroid, and how all of those create the synergy of what's going on in that individual's body so they can prioritize.
2: Yes. And I think that's exactly why our virtual Food as Medicine ketosis program is amazing. It's because we provide the guidance, thought process, and access to all of our labs and supplements to address some of those underlying complexities. And we actually didn't mention in the opening of this episode. um, This is true. Yes. (laughs) So as of today, January 7th, when this episode goes live, our keto program will be starting on Wednesday the 9th, and we will keep spots open. We've got some spots left as of now. I'm sure it will be nearly full, if not filled up by uh, the time this episode airs, but definitely check it out over at Allie Miller RD backslash ketosis-class. hyphen class, And I'll link to that in the show notes. We'll close registration in a week
1: from today. Yes. From the launch. Yep. So whatever that is from the ninth. A week from the ninth. I, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'll give you two days extra credit. And um, yeah, so like Becky said, it is six live classes. You do get the archive videos within two hours of the live class, pretty much once I get Stella down for bed. And... All of the classes take you so deep into some of these complex mechanisms. We talk about things like strategy for insulin resistance, and we really address them to the level like we do in our podcast, but we layer in a more customized approach because we give you foundational handouts. We have the private Facebook group that Becky and I directly moderate, so it's not like we have assistants doing this. This is us (laughs) doing all this direct with you, answering your questions, troubleshooting supplement strategy and priorities when you feel like there's five different moving pieces and you don't know where to start, this is the best value-added place to really rock your journey to the next level of food as medicine. And you may even determine that you're someone that does better in the phase two low glycemic and only intermittently pulses in keto. And that's okay too. This program is all about redefining your relationship with food and eating whole nourishing foods to optimize your body's function. And so that's where we're kind of going to take today's episode is like we said – Yes, macros matter because you can't get into a state of nutritional keto, but then those macros are going to change based on your hormones. Those needs of if you need to carb cycle or not at all or go deeper into more of a keto carnivore, that's going to change based on your microbiome, based on if you have leaky gut, and we're going to help you with structure and strategy determine what your best entry point is and how to modify it along the process.
2: Yes. And doing our program is an amazing, amazing value in terms of getting started on working with not one of us, but both of us. Um, Yeah. And really being able to pick our brains during those live classes, as well as get the support of a whole group. And we have a, a group that's gosh, 500 plus strong at this point, 600 um, of folks who've gone through the program prior, who will also be supporting the journey and helping answer questions and giving feedback and um, just kind of providing that accountability as well for you guys.
1: And we've had, I'm so excited. I think we just crossed our 50th medical practitioner as a participant in the program. So we've had endocrinologists, we've had general practitioners, we've had nurse practitioners, physicians, of course, dietitians, and then definitely a lot of other wellness providers like personal trainers, chiropractors, and so much more. So it's such an awesome thing to be a part of. I'm grateful for all of you that Purchase a spot and take a part in the program, and I'm so excited to share the interventions and the actual action plan of putting all of this high value information into into action mode. Okay. So, back <laughs> into today's topic, yes. a little yes. little side <laughs> ad. Do, do, do. All yes. right, so we
2: are constantly getting asked, Allie, um, what our favorite non-caloric sweetener is. And I just always tell people that unfortunately, I really don't have a good answer for them. We don't support the use of any, we don't use any, You won't find a blog or, you know, a podcast or anything where we're making a recommendation of using one of these items, even the stevia and monk fruit that, you know, some may say are less offensive. We're just not about that.
1: Yep. Yep, so I truly feel that this is something that sets us apart from other keto people, <laughs> dietitians, practitioners, coaches, as we focus on real food first. And I am sorry, but none of those sweeteners are real food at the end of the day. They've been highly adulterated and that's what today's episode is all about, getting back to the source. Now, I will say as a clear-cut disclaimer, um, just so I don't get any flack, Two of the naturally nourished supplements in our private label line do use non-caloric sweeteners. Good call. But I think – I, I just want to <laughs> yeah. say that because, you know, then you get the emails. Ah. Um, <laughs> so the reason – I want to talk a moment about logic and theory of the whys, and then we'll move on to the, the why nots, I suppose. Um, but the boost and burn, which we talked a lot about last episode in strategy for body fat burn. It has ribose and L-carnitine. And it has L-carnitine in a two gram dosage. If you were taking this in a pill form, you would be taking at least 10 capsules of a product, even a good quality high potency product to get that level of bioavailability that you get in a teaspoon of our boost and burn. Now, L-carnitine and ribose has quite a gnarly flavor. um, And so there was something that needed to be added to it to make it at all palatable. And we did go with Stevia in that um, particular product. It is still 100% non-GMO It is as clean as it can be, but I wanted people to be able to use it in a fasted exercise as a tool. Um, And so it may not be something that works for the long haul. It's definitely not a food. It's not something I'm adding into into coffee every day. It's something to jumpstart your body's ability to use fat as fuel, get you fat adapted, help you when in a rut, um, and to capitalize on that conversion of carnitine synthase or the conversion of, of metabolism of fat. So that's one. The other one is the Gabacom. And Gabacom does have uh, xylitol in it, which is a sugar alcohol. So um, the reason for this is that it is a chewable tablet. It's our only chewable uh, tablet that we have, uh, well, there is actually a child's chewable multi, but um, this does have xylitol in it because we wanted people to be able to take it in the middle of the night and have zero risk for dental caries or cavities. So this is one that a lot of clients will have on their nightstand. They might wake up in the middle of the night and the Gabacolm helps them take out that rumination of like the list making, the racing thoughts. Uh, I've relied on it during parts of my intensive of uh, birthing parts of my book <laughs> when I've been really deep in the rabbit hole of thought process. And uh, maybe I kicked out from melatonin and had a cortisol peak. And I just needed something to calm down my my mind speak, if you will. Um, So it does have that also because GABA is very bitter, very pungent, and we needed to add something. And that was the best option. So good, better, best. That's my story. I'm sticking to it. I feel confident in those choices and um, just wanted to call out my own incongruency.
2: Good disclaimer, Allie, because we have gotten, you know, a handful of emails. Most people are really satisfied with those products. And once you start using something like Gabacom, it's not like it's an everyday, you know, right. kind of thing. It's as needed. And the boost and burn, the benefits are so great that we think that would outweigh the use of a little bit of one of these non-caloric sweeteners. But back to food. Um, in yes, episode yes. eighty-nine, we really nailed down um, our whys against non-caloric sweeteners, and you know, one of these whys includes the chemically created nature um, of some of these sweeteners, and then some of them are you know naturally sourced, but still widely chemically adulterated or processed in such a way that they are so far from a whole food. So I think that would be our number one thing that we need to just nail down once again, um, is that these are just not whole real foods.
1: Right. So there's a lot of processing that occurs from turning erythritol from corn, right, (laughs) into a white powder or stevia green leaf into also a white powder. And when we isolate compounds, um, we're going to Increase the taste bud impact by hundreds of times. So, for instance, the glycosides in stevia are 300 times sweeter than table sugar. Um, And so, you know, we talked a lot in episode 89, go back and listen to it, about. The process of rewiring our cravings and our taste buds for sustainable change. You know, if you maintain addiction to sweet, you're always going to be standing in Starbucks when you're ordering your, you know, black cold brewed coffee and white knuckling to not order the donut or the pastry, right? You're constantly going to see that as something you desire or at a wedding, you're going to want the wedding cake. And so I think that when you trick yourself with these non-caloric sweeteners, that only creates a more disconnected relationship with food and what your palate should optimize and crave. Beyond that, we talked about, yes, the risk factors of like actual, the chemical made sweeteners like saccharin, right? Right. Um, and how these have been tied to things like tumors and rats. We talked about the role of microbiome disruption with some of the natural quote unquote sweeteners and chemical sweeteners. Uh, we talked about digestive distress with all sugar alcohols. So, again, not worried about the amount of xylitol in a Gabba calm chew to cause bloating and distress. But when we're talking about a bar that has, 10 to 15 grams of sugar alcohols, oh yeah, that's gonna cause bloating and distension and a lot of GI distress. And the other reason that we finally discussed big picture was this cephalic response. So beyond just the relationship of craving sweet, there actually is an influence with our GLP, our glucagon-like peptide, um, which these receptors are our taste receptors on, you know, on the tongue throughout the GI tract and in the hypothalamus of the brain. So when we taste sweet, we actually have a blood sugar response. And this is why some people can actually have hypoglycemic or reactive blood sugar drop from eating non-caloric sweeteners. They actually release insulin, their blood sugar tanks, and then they can get reactive blood sugar spike from that. So it can be create a total vicious cycle. And we're just starting to underline some of those mechanisms of how taste actually has an anatomical physiological response on our body.
2: Totally. And then this next part, Allie, is new to me at least, uh, connecting – Um, potentially stevia as an endocrine disruptor. Tell me about that because that is that's news, at least in my mind.
1: <laughs> right. So there's actually been research, again, the amount that's used in the boost and burn, I'm not concerned about when I weighed out the cost to benefit ratio. But people that are perpetual users of stevia, upwards of four to five packs a day, or if you're like baking with it, right, um, there is strong evidence that the glycosides, the steviol, the the, the alcohol um, compound, steviol glycosides, um, they act as endocrine disruptors They strongly impact our progesterone levels and influence the receptor binding site of our progesterone so we can experience estrogen dominance, low progesterone. And this research has really started to become more present because they found in animal studies that stevia plants, um, when in the area and animals were consuming, was having infertility or like contraceptive influence on both males and females. Oh my so gosh. they were actually basically sexually <laughs> yeah. sterile yeah. from the consumption of stevia in high amounts. Oh, uh, That can't be good for us, you guys. <laughs> nope. That can't nope. bode nope. well for, for
2: human beings either. Um, so we talked about the connection of endocrine disruptors back in episode 116, if you want more on uh-huh. like what that means. But we're already dealing with this huge onslaught of estrogen dominance. So adding a daily stevia habit to that puzzle – Not a good idea, you guys.
1: (laughs) Yep, for sure. So just another reason that I think eating a whole food closest to its form that is identifiable in nature is always going to be ideal.
2: Yes, and we've talked before, you know, you could potentially grow stevia in your garden, but now I'm thinking that even those – those glycosides, if that's the, the compound that's seen as an endocrine disruptor, those are part of the natural plant that's creating that super false sweet taste in the beginning or, or to begin with. So um, maybe best to just stay away all Yeah.
1: Yeah. And again, it's the it's the relationship change. So as a wean tool, potentially fine, but as a relationship change, not good.
2: Okay, cool. So we identify this concept in a couple of episodes, Allie, but let's kick off our topic of talking about real food keto with emphasizing how you define a real whole food.
1: Yes. So some of the questions that you ask yourself, and this was in my education at Bastyr University, was I how do you identify a whole food? So can you imagine it growing is one of the first thought processes. Then – are all of its edible parts intact? What's been done to it since harvest? And um, so we will kind of walk through in today's episode this thought process, but very big difference from something as simple as orange juice um, versus a whole orange, right? You can imagine the whole orange growing Um, Are all of its edible parts intact? Well, when you're peeling it, yes, and you actually get that pith, that white furry pith that has nobelin in it and routine, and these are uh, anti-inflammatory antioxidants that protect against breast cancer, uh, like I said, reduce inflammation in the body, have more bioflavonoids. Uh, We know that incorporating the zest, uh, which would be in that external part of the peel, is also going to provide us a lot of antioxidants and high vitamin C. And then, you know, what's been done to it since harvest? Have they been picked too early and the oranges have been sprayed with ethanol? Um, So even an orange, then, there could be a good, better, best spectrum of what's been done to it since harvest. And really disturbing, just want to say this, Cuties, which they sell at Whole Foods, um, and most brands of those – Oh, I'm having a mind blank. What are they? They're not called – Clementines, is that what they're called? Yeah, like little peel and eat. Yeah, yeah. Clementines. Most of these, if they're not certified organic, it will state on the package. I'll take a picture and upload it. It's so disturbing that they are sprayed with an anti-mold compound. Um, So that's very disturbing with me because that definitely penetrates the peel Into the into the fruit into the flesh, and um, it's going to have an impact on your child's microbiome. Not a good thing during cold and flu season. I think I'm remembering back to like
2: (laughs) when you first discovered that and like had a bag of them sitting around that lasted months and months. Oh my gosh. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Yeah. Potentially a biome impact and then some. So let's not. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Right. A a neurological impact. And so, again, it's like, right. Can you imagine it growing? Yes. But what's been done to it since harvest? So, you want to kind of process through all of these when we're talking about what a whole food is. Okay. And then, before we really unpack this, because
2: I think this can apply to, you know, anything from a meat product um, to side dishes, sweets. Uh, sweeteners, um, snacks, and even just commonly consumed foods like salt, quite frankly. Yeah. (laughs) Let's have a quick word from our brand new sponsor for 2019, Santa Cruz Medicinals.
1: Yes. So we're super excited to bring Santa Cruz Medicinals on I always am a proponent of try it before you buy it. So uh, they had sent me some product that I was really pleased with. They make super potent formulas. And what sets them apart from a lot of CBD companies out there is that they bottle in glass and they actually go as far as using stainless steel in their manufacturing tools. So they completely avoid when we're talking about endocrine disruptors, they have no BPA exposure. And that's a big thing we want to look at in the CBD Industry is. Are there any solvents that are result that are you know still going to be present like hexanes and chemical extractors? Um, and they are third party tested for solvents. They source all of their CBD from Colorado, never source from China. Another thing that we'd be concerned about. Um, And they add quality fats to their CBD to aid in the absorption. And again, they know that fats leach, so they're very mindful about the production um, equipment as well as the quality products that they sell in, which is glass.
2: So, so cool. And they're doing CBD-infused MCT, coconut oil, and olive oil, which would be amazing pantry staples. And I thought this was so cool, what they said about their cbd tincture um, that it actually becomes more pink with UV exposure. And this is something I've seen um, like in those raw, unprocessed coconut waters. I just didn't make the connection (laughs) as to why that would be happening. So the natural polyphenols in the coconut actually will cause this effect. So some of their CBD oil is pink and that just means like you got a little more... (laughs) And when <laughs> you we talk about a
1: whole food, yeah. Sure. So actually, I keep mine in my um, office, and there's, I don't have blinds in that room. So mine, I actually emailed them because mine became pink like in five days. And I was like, uh, <laughs> is this normal? And when we're connecting this idea of, again, non processed, that means that their uh, MCT oil is not radiated. So you're actually getting those live you know, polyphenols, which are creating that UV change. And it's a really beautiful pink hue, I got to say. Um, so they could almost do it on purpose. But um, another connection to a whole food form, and that's the carrier for absorption of the CBD so cool and so we know
2: that you know they didn't add some kind of red food coloring or something guys it's it's the right. real deal so they're making potent CBD formulas that are gluten-free, paleo, keto friendly and lab tested and they really delve into the research on CBD which is something i really like to see with any company out there marketing a product is having peer-reviewed studies to back up what they're doing
1: absolutely and they have some other fun products beyond the food products so I've used their coconut oil infused and I've made like nut butter balls and things like that and then I use their MCT oil tincture and I just started playing with their CBD olive oil and doing some herb infusions which is really fun with like a coarse sea salt I haven't tried yet but I'm super excited that they have a CBD infused lavender clay mask <laughs> so that sounds amazing because it's gonna have the anti-inflammatory benefit I um, as well as their pain cream, which is going to have the anti-inflammatory topical benefit. But I never thought of the use of CBD oil for acne or hormonal balance, which makes total sense. You know, we see so many peer-reviewed literature on the role of cannabinoids in pain management. We see a lot of influence on CBD for reducing intestinal inflammation. We've talked about that in the podcast with Crohn's and ulcerative colitis. Uh, I talk about in the anti-anxiety diet, the role of CBD helping as an anti-anxiolytic compound and really helping to find our mellow. Um, So I think that it is a up-and-coming compound that is safe for the household and um, love that they have potent, clean Um, non-toxic products that you can incorporate into your foods or use as a supplement support. Oh my gosh. The clay mask sounds amazing. You know, I love my masks, so I'm going to have
2: to try that one. Byron, if you're listening, I would like a late Christmas present of their lavender (laughs) clay mask. Um, That sounds freaking awesome. Um, And then um, to access their stuff, we can go to scmedicinals.com and use the code AllieMillerRD, all in caps for 10% off and free shipping. And I'll include that in the show notes.
1: Yes. So it's scmedicinals.com. Use the code AllieMillerRD and we're pumped to have Santa Cruz Medicinals CBD on as our sponsor. Awesome. Awesome. Yes. So, So, yes, getting into nutrient density. So, you know, we talked about, can you imagine it growing? Are all of its edible parts intact or uh, minimal impact on the whole food since harvest? And then uh, least amount of adulteration in the process of growing or extraction or in the, I guess, travel (laughs) to the consumer.
2: So cool. And then, um, Let's take this into some just kind of commonly consumed foods and define a good, better, best approach or how to get closest to that real whole food option. Um, Or actually, maybe first before we do that, let's let's hit a little bit of the scary stuff or a little more of the scary stuff of why processed foods would be concerning in the first place.
1: Yeah, I think that's a great place to start. So like we said, episode 89 talks about a lot of the details on non-caloric sweeteners. Um so I'll beat up another concept which is seen as like okay, quote unquote in in the by the keto police <laughs> whoever they are, right? Mm-hmm. Um things like uh corn fiber or maltodextrin. Um corn fiber is in So many MCT oil powder products, Uh blows my mind. So many bars, so many products that people are so happy and proud to say and put the word keto on. Um, And let's just harp on maltodextrin a little bit deeper as a particular compound. So maltodextrin is a filler. Um, it's a filler, a thickener, and it can even be used as a preservative. It is often going to be extracted from corn because, like most processed products are, because it's a, a crop that is highly subsidized, which makes it very cheap for farmers to grow or incentivized by our government and um, we know that the majority of corn, 93% plus, I believe, is genetically modified. And that means that there is going to be a higher amount of neurotoxin in the form of Roundup that is sprayed and the glycosate, uh, glyco, glyco, fa, how why do I always trip up on that word? Glyphosate. It's not- glyphosate. Yeah. Just get that, <laughs> I want to call it glycophosphate, but it's and I've, glyphosate.
2: I've heard it both ways, to be honest.
1: <laughs> okay. But it's glyphosate. Yep. <laughs> glyphosate. Yeah. You got to get that pH in there. Yep. Right. Glyphosate um, in the form of the Roundup being a neurotoxin. So that's A, concerning, right? then as we you know break this down into the form of maltodextrin, the function in a food is to um, create a nice mouth feel, basically a creamy mouth feel so there's not like irregular crystals or crunch or things like that. So again, Many keto dieters avoid the word sugar like the plague. They're like, oh, this has sugar in it. Um, but what's interesting is maltodextrin actually has a higher glycemic index um, around 106 to 136, whereas table sugar for the same amount of weight in grams is only 65 interesting, right? Mm. (laughs) And then, yeah, beyond glycemic index, um, we see that the maltodextrin can disrupt the intestinal microbiome. So we can see overgrowth of bad bacteria. We can also see concern of maltodextrin causing GI distress in the form of like Bloating, skin rashes and irritation, cramping. Um, and so, again, this is a highly processed ingredient that in maybe the community is designated as quote unquote safe or okay because the word keto is on the product, but it can definitely cause more distress to the body and no known benefit. Yes. Yeah, so, so just- I'll just <laughs> mic drop there for a moment. Yeah.
2: Just because it fits in your macros,
1: guys, doesn't
2: mean that um, it's going to have any other beneficial impact. And then, like you said, the same kind of garbage with corn fiber in so many of our packaged and processed foods. I always tell clients, like, if you pick up something with a wrapper and there's something on there that you cannot pronounce, it is likely from corn or soy or wheat or a derivative of something that I don't want you eating. Uh huh.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um, actually, Sean Sh- uh, Miner had an awesome thing out about chocolate bars, um, you know, holiday baking and things like that. Mm-hmm. And this goes right along our mindset. I didn't know until she shared this image a Lily's chocolate bar in two servings, so half of the bar has 22 grams of carbs, girl. And Lily's is considered, again, keto friendly. Their <laughs> ingredients include they have unsweetened chocolate and cocoa butter, but then they have erythritol, inulin, dextrin, right? And so, like, this is stevia added to it and soy lecithin. Um, and a good quality chocolate bar, like the ones that I eat, like, if it's hu, the hu, hum, human, someone said I have to say it, it's like the word human. So, who, who, I still don't know how to say it. <laughs> hue Hugh. hue Hugh. Hugh. if it's like human yeah. it's yep. hue the <laughs> hue brand which i'm yes. obsessed with um you know i have hue right here actually on my desk <laughs> of almonds and sea salt chunks and the ingredients are almonds organic cacao unrefined organic coconut. Um, which they're using for their coconut sweetener, Um, fair trade cacao butter, and sea salt, okay? And this for more uh, grams by weight, uh, 40 grams, is only 13 grams of carbs, 4 grams of fiber. Um, So net we're looking at 9, right? And again, we had 22 grams of carbs in that Lily's Half Bar with... uh, a seven gram amount of erythritol, one gram of actual sugar, and 12 grams of dietary fiber that is going to create a lot of GI distress from that inulin and dextrin.
2: Oh my gosh. I was—I bet Theo's would be about similar to an in-car. Yeah. I, I don't have yeah. one on my desk to compare, but no, I No, Theo's assume. is in the teens.
1: Okay. It's like 15 to 18 again. And right. I love to do a good quality dark chocolate bar that has a little bit of organic cane sugar or a little bit of coconut sugar. Dip that in um, my toasted coconut butter. And I am stoked about that. That's a whole food. You're probably, even for you, macro police going to be ending up better and. Definitely for you quality ingredient people, less distress to the body. Oh my gosh.
2: I always thought lilies was like a safe-ish option, didn't have at least all that yep. other influence. Okay.
1: Yep. Well <laughs> do not <laughs> um, feed your children no. lilies. Yes. No, nope. nope. I
2: wouldn't do it anyway because the stevia, but yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. Um, so other products too, and I think this is something to kind of hit home, like thinking about, you know meats for example um maybe some of the like processed kind of crappy you know make-ahead meals or even like chicken tenders and things like that can get a little bit franken food on us
1: absolutely and you know maybe like a tender would be avoided because of breading but i found as an example for today's episode like a keto friendly braised prime rib frozen entree okay so it had uh you know Definitely large conglomerate beef farmed, yep. right? No grass-fed <laughs> noted. <laughs> so like Kofa, not quality, not happy meat um, to start with. But the ingredients were beef, beef broth, starting good, modified cornstarch, salt, sodium phosphates, dextrose again, um, that's code for sugar and corn drug, and caramel color, and then the uh, natural flavors, which can mean really anything under the sun. And the concern here is that, you know, this corn-derived caramel flavor, which is in many keto-friendly powders, shakes, snack foods, um, you know, yes, it's, again, derived from a plant, but you cannot identify it growing. (laughs) You cannot see what's been done to it since harvest. So, so, so many steps. And in the creation of caramelization, that browning effect, they actually create ages, advanced glycation end products, which we talked a lot about in our Alzheimer's and cognitive decline product, uh, podcast episode. So, you know, we see caramel color can drive dementia. We see it can elevate blood pressure. It can disrupt our gut biome again. And um, it is a concerning ingredient for cancer risk by the Center of Science in Public Interest, the, the CSPI. So, again, Caramel color, not a whole food, not something that should be allowed regardless of the fact that it doesn't give any grams of carbs, not real food keto.
2: No, and I think this is something just to note as we see more and more keto products coming onto the market just because it says keto on the label does not mean you should eat it. I mean – just make our naturally nourished grass-fed pot roast, and you can have yes. that. Like <laughs> all yes. of the flavors that way better than this. Like the only real ingredient in there is is beef and like you and salt. And like you said, right. it's probably definitely not good quality beef anyway. Um, and then what or would salt be salt
1: for that yeah. matter? We'll yeah. talk about iodized yeah. salt in a little bit. <laughs> yeah.
2: Oh my gosh! So zero real foods in that. Yes. Um, if we're being <laughs> um, so. What would be a a better option then? Um, And best. So like you
1: said, the pot roast would be awesome. And the pot roast would be, imagine it growing if it's like bone in especially, right? So like good, better, best, um, better would be if we're talking in the role of um, grass fed like skirt steak that we cut up in fajita strips, right? We might decide that we want to dredge that in coconut flour to get a nice texture on it as we're searing it reasonable. Um, Best, like you said, the pot roast, which would be bone in, obviously you can definitely imagine that growing. If you're thinking of the example with chicken, yes, like a low quality chicken nugget being bad, a better being organic chicken tender, a better even more would be pasture raised chicken tender and doing like Stella's second birthday almond flour chicken tenders, but best would still be bone in skin on chicken breast where you're getting a blend of uh, the benefits of like glycine and proline from the skin. You're going to get those unique amino acids that we don't get if we only eat muscle fibers. And these help with not only hair, skin, and nail, but we also get benefit for gut health. We get reduced inflammation. We get mood support and balance on our methylation processes in the body. So, again, you can imagine a bone-in piece of pot roast of like where that was cut from the animal or the bone and skin on chicken breast literally being on that animal. And you get further and further away the more processed the food gets and you get further and further away from optimized nourishment. Right. And then to – Add to that, like we said, making sure that chicken is from a well
2: raised source. And bonus points if you know your farmer, that's really the connection to can you imagine it growing or imagine it being raised?
1: Right. So, like, you know, what's been done to it since harvest, we know that a lot of Uh, frozen chicken breasts or chicken tenders can be injected with sodium solutions. We also know if antibiotics have been fed or the chicken is living in feces, (laughs) they're going to have a lot less omega-3 fatty acids, a lot less minerals, a lot less nutrients, and more of a risk for impact on the body as an endocrine disruptor or a microbiome disruptor um, in the presence of like xenoestrogens or synthetic hormones being used in the production. Okay. So that makes total sense. I
2: love how that really solidifies um, that there's always a closest to the real thing and that there is serious value in that. So now coming back to that nasty corn fiber maltodextrin we were just talking about, let's talk about other concerning fillers that we see in some of these products out there.
1: So I think, you know, instead of going into other concerning ones, because there's a whole list of, like you said, fill in the (laughs) word, can't pronounce it, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Estella likes to now say blah, blah, blah all the time. She's she's calling me out. So whether it's inulin or fructooligosaccharides or fill in the blank, again, a lot of these are going to cause GI disruption. And yes, we might want something to create mouthfeel and fill in a food, and so I go to a whole food starchy vegetable, right? Um, Or like I mentioned, you know, using like that coconut flour, which is quite little processing to extract and dry out the flour from the coconut meat. Um, And so what are we looking for the the like function in a recipe and some things to consider? So let's say like beets as an example. This is something that keto police would say, no, it's on the red (laughs) list, right? But keto bar by blah, blah, blah company with maltodextrin or inulin or FOS is green, green check mark. Well, let's just kind of like break down the impact of a beet on your body. Okay. So if you're eating a beet, like I'm talking the red root of a beet plus the stems and the greens intact, you, um, are likely going to be, especially if you're sauteing those greens in ghee, um, and maybe a little bit of seasoning, Um, You're likely going to get less than 4 grams of total carbs with the greens and the stem um, because it's just one, right? And you're going to get a lot of that, like 3 of those 4 grams of carbs as fiber. Um, You're going to get a lot of vitamin A. You're going to get lutein, which is an antioxidant we talked about in episode 114, which has been shown to have very beneficial vision and neurological health support. You also get nitric oxide, which is going to help with blood pressure lowering, and vasodilation. So it's like a natural libido booster or sexual performance enhancer with that vasodilation. That means you get more sensation in certain areas, which is sometimes helpful. Um, And then if you add in the actual red root of the beet, yeah, you're going to get another eight grams of carbs. Two and a half of those are going to come as fiber. Um, And so, you know, total, you might have net carb of seven grams of having that whole beet plus the beet greens. You're gonna have a lot of satiety. You're gonna get a lot of antioxidants and phyto compounds that can actually support your neurological function, reduce inflammation, support detox process, And you might do that with a pork chop and uh, Brussels sprouts and bacon. And that's going to be like a very nourishing meal. It's going to overall be very balanced and you're going to get a natural sweetness. Like actually, I can't eat an entire beet. That's too sweet for me. But I like to sprinkle like a half of one into a green salad with goat cheese and then still do a protein and, and a fatty dressing. And that works really well for my sustainable approach to keto. And I'm nourishing my body with all of those benefits.
2: Awesome! I love that, and and how the concept, the combo of the greens with the beetroot together, really balances itself out. Um, and we could even incorporate, you know, the beet into a recipe, like using it to color something. Like I think it was Stella's first birthday cake that was pink, yeah. right? Um, so using yeah. it in a recipe like that.
1: Yep, and you know I've used them also in um, like fat bombs. Like mm-hmm. if I wanted, if I didn't have strawberry in the house, and I wanted to do like a cream cheesy type one, I'll often roast some beets and put like a tablespoon of beet puree into it, and um, it's fantastic. And so again, not being so fearful of all or nothing approach of these food lists, getting into whole real foods, and then using these things to get that satiation and also the food as medicine benefits which is just so cool. This is like 2.0 real food keto. Yes,
2: and that would apply to other starches in, you know, small amounts as well, so things like butternut squash or exactly. pumpkin that are on that quote unquote no list that we definitely incorporate within our program and recipes.
1: Yeah. So a lot of like traditional soups and stews, they'll use flour to absorb some of the cooking liquid. Well, that's where I love to add like a quarter cup of canned pumpkin or something like that. Or if I'm roasting butternut squash, I might puree that into something or gelatin as a thickener, again, as a very whole food nourishing thickener um, for like a gravy or a sauce instead of something that's very processed as a, a starch derivative. Yes.
2: Love gelatin as a a thickener to any sauces or soups. Just watch when you put it in the fridge, you know, it may turn yellow (laughs) momentarily. I had that happen with a soup that I thickened last week. I'm like, when I heat it up, it will be fine. Um, but that's actually a good sign that you're getting all of those awesome oopy goopy gelatinous properties of gut support. Yes. Um, let's talk about salt. We alluded to this a second ago or a few minutes ago, um, but let's talk about iodized salt versus real salt versus sea salt. Something that's seemingly one ingredient is not so simple.
1: I know. So Iodized salt is actually chemically manufactured um, and they often use aluminum Uh, There's often a residual amount of aluminum and fluoride and other anti-caking ingredients. Um, So there's nothing health supporting about it at all, A Okay. And then there's actually some deleterious uh, residual impact. The... Real salt, so like there's like Redmond Real Salt is a brand, which is from salt caves or sea salt, um, you know, Himalayan salt, uh, Celtic sea salt. These are going to be either cleaved from a salt cave or extracted from the sea <laughs> and literally simply filtered. And this is going to maintain a little bit more like irregularities likely in its formation unless it's been recrystallized. Um, But this actually is going to be more blood pressure balancing than iodized salt. You're going to get potassium that balances out the electrolytes as well as 60 other trace minerals. That's like super rad. Um, And you can totally, yeah, imagine the salt rock growing. Um, and how it's cleaved. And like I said, especially if your product has some of that irregularities, you know that very little has been done since harvest. And um, this is a way where you can not only bring life to your dishes on a flavor profile, but you can actually support metabolic function. You can support electrolyte stability and definitely not going to get that bang for your buck with the chemically created iodized salt. Yes. And
2: it's crazy. 60 plus other minerals whereas iodized salt it's just sodium and chloride right that's right oh my gosh okay so now let's just talk a little bit more um about favorite real food sweeteners and the role that these can play in the ketogenic diet and this is where the keto police love to come in and Police yes,
1: <laughs> so I did an Instagram yes. that was my five favorite keto-friendly sweeteners. I didn't say my five favorite keto-friendly foods and go snack on these, to be clear. <laughs> so I listed dates and banana as two of the five. And it's because, um, yeah, they're whole real foods (laughs) and they provide us a lot of nutrients. We can get a good amount of potassium for electrolyte boost. We get prebiotic fibers. So instead of gut disrupting fibers, um, we actually get good prebiotics. Um, We get a good amount of B6, which helps with serotonin production and adrenal support. Um, And then we get a lot of other trace minerals. So using fruit in its whole food form and cooking it down and pureeing it or even dried form. I just got some date sugar, which is literally just dates that are blended and dehydrated um, and then granulated. Um, And so I'm going to play with that with a couple recipes over the holidays. And I add enough so that the total end product is still going to stay under 10 grams of carbs, not net, total 10 grams of carbs per portion, and that always works. And when I test my sugars, I'm still going to be below low 80s, um, and I'm going to be positive ketone production. It doesn't kick you out of ketosis when you're fat adapted. It is a whole food, and you're still getting less than the 22 grams of carbs in a Lily's chocolate bar. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I know. Logic, <laughs> logic. So, okay, other favorites. So so fruits I like to use as, again, sweeteners. Other sweeteners I like are the robust maple syrup or some call grade B. Now they've kind of done away with the, gr- the grading, but the dark amber robust. Going to have a lot of B vitamins. Um, work really well um, as a sweetener in baked goods. Raw, unfiltered honey. Great for seasonal allergens. Um, It definitely adds moisture to baked goods, so be mindful of that. Um, Sucanat is sugar cane that's in its whole granulated form, so it's still going to have the molasses intact. Um, It's not going to be stripped, so you're still going to get the iron the manganese, magnesium, B vitamins again. So B vitamins help with energy and metabolism. And when you eat these real food sweeteners, you're actually getting a little bit of like a multivitamin within your food versus something that is stripped, refined, and potentially going to throw off the balance of your body. So Molasses I would put in as a liquid form and then the sucanat or rapadura is another name of the granulated cane sugar. And then coconut sugar and its varied forms. So the granulated form of coconut sugar or coconut sap, um, both of those are going to provide a whole food form of inulin, not a chemically um, adulterated, and that will slow down the glucose absorption and also work as a little bit of a prebiotic fiber.
2: Okay. And these aren't... You know, foods that we would have as a a daily staple of intake on a keto diet. And they're not things we'd be consuming in large amounts. So let's clarify how they'd be used and maybe give an example of a recipe or two.
1: Yeah. So, you know, again, it's all about whole foods and thinking about them in their less adulterated form and when you're focusing on the sustainability of a ketogenic diet you want to be able to acknowledge the fact that food is celebratory and yes we do in human nature want to make treats at times so we just need to recalibrate calibrate excuse me our palates to expect less intensity of sweet and use slow amounts slow and low amounts of these sweeteners in these recipes so we'll put links to our favorites Um, so from like my zucchini muffins, which are made with one banana for the whole recipe or our avocado brownies, which use four dates in the recipe, the almond joy bars. What did you use in those Becky?
2: They have a little bit of maple in the filling, but it's mostly the sweet mostly comes from the almond and vanilla extract that you use.
1: There you go. So you get that emulation of sweet flavor profile. And same thing with dark chocolate. You can do a non-sweetened, completely dark chocolate and add nut butter to that. Um, but again, you know, all of these things are thought of as treats. They're great for keeping your children invested in a you know real food lower carb lifestyle. And they can be used to titrate down the amount of sweetener used so that they can work for you in your keto lifestyle. And still be palatable for, you know, non-keto friends and family members alike. Sometimes when my father in laws over, I might throw an extra date into that brownie recipe uh-huh. <laughs> and, uh, you know, or I'll, um, you know, drizzle a little bit. I'll put fresh raspberries on top and drizzle a little bit of um, like a teaspoon of maple on there and that works well too. So you can always adjust. You're always, everyone's at a different starting point. But these yes. are thought of as a treat. <laughs> not to add, I don't recommend to be clear adding coconut sugar to your coffee in the morning and then wonder why you're not having success with keto. Sure, exactly. Exactly. Or I just watched an elf and was
2: dying <laughs> over, you know, the scene where he's like dousing the, syrup. the maple syrup on his spaghetti. On spaghetti. So like, <laughs> don't put syrup, you're not eating spaghetti, but on your zucchini noodles, guys. And as long as they don't become no. that staple, you're good.
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. Okay. And then if there is a fall off or binge or an individual needs a reset, I think maybe some of us are still having trouble bouncing back from the holidays. Um, What do you advise as kind of some tips and tricks for, for getting back to that fat adapted and ketone production state?
1: So I would suggest the boost and burn as the first way to get your body to burn fat as fuel. Again, that's that L-carnitine and ribose liquid. And that really enhances the way that your body upregulates body fat as fuel. So if you're having a hard time tapping back into that, that can be a great tool. And then berberine boost is a great tool that we don't talk about enough in this sense. It is a oral hypoglycemic. So berberine as the um, natural um, compound is going to have blood sugar lowering impact. It also supports the liver, so it can have antiviral and antifungal support. We use it in our candida cleanse bundle, but it in itself can lower blood sugar. and it can be used if you're incorporating some of these uh, real food sweeteners and you are kicking out, it can help to modulate your body's blood sugar metabolism. So you could use like two berberine boost at a time that you're having a little bit more of a fringe food or like a natural sweetener, and that should still keep you tightened to keto. And then if you're dealing with craving issues, I would go for the GI lining powder that has L-glutamine, which can help with addictive tendencies. It also seals the gut, so it will help with any irritation or damage from holiday stress. And then Calm, the go-to chewable that I mentioned earlier, is a great one in the time of impulse control. So like if you made a batch of something and you're like craving a four o'clock or an evening sweet, Calm can really help with that impulse control. And everyone should have the foundation of a good multivitamin. That's going to give us things like chromium and these B vitamins and all the nutrients to optimize metabolism and tame sugar cravings to begin with. So these things are used as an infrequent celebratory tool. And again, we're just constantly in this journey recalibrating as we go forward.
2: Awesome. I think those are really good tools in terms of supplements that we can bring in some on higher demand when we're trying to get ourselves back on track. Um, So awesome. So in closing, let's um, discuss some of the application and ideas of Real Food Keto and kind of how people can take this forth into the world.
1: Yeah, so you guys know that with my food is medicine philosophy, keto is just as much about abundance as it is about restriction. And I hope that today really hit home on that. So, you know, we're talking about like two to three cups of leafy greens, and we're actually having people like look for heirloom lettuces where they're grown and you still have the root structure intact, right? Or um, we're looking at varietals of winter greens as we go into these seasons versus just the, you know grown in a greenhouse, kind of dead baby spinach that we're getting every single week. So biodiversity is really important. We talk about goals like Getting in wild caught fish two to three times a week. So, kind of good, better, best means maybe getting bone in, skin on um, canned option versus the already skinned and not having the benefit of the calcium in the bones. Um, And whole food keto can be very simple. It doesn't have to be intimidating. You know, you can just as easily throw together an adult Lunchable with olives and almonds and a couple pieces or chunks of protein that's left over um, and be eating whole real food keto versus like a bar or a product.
2: Yes. I think that's an awesome concept. And we have our adult Lunchable blog I'll make sure I link to as um, a fantastic way to like literally throw something together. I know you and I both do it like between clients and it's a very sustainable approach um, to (laughs) eating real food throughout the day versus going for the easy button of like the shake or the bar, same thing. Whenever people ask me for a pre-made shake or bar, I don't have an answer for them.
1: <laughs> I know. And and shakes, we have a whole handout in yeah. our program where yeah. we, we use our grass-fed whey or we'll use collagen peptides, but it's a whole food recipe, you know, where you're going to use like full-fat coconut milk without guar gum. Again, a whole food. <laughs> and then adding in leafy greens and ginger or cinnamon and almond extract or what have you. So the big picture, and hopefully we can harp in, is... Um, You know, wherever you're at, if you are already participating in the ketogenic diet, you are likely metabolically adapted to burn fat as fuel. So you may be able to incorporate maybe some of these starchy vegetables or some of these whole food sweeteners into your diet to provide diversity, natural flavor flexibility, and really provide unique antioxidants and disease-fighting compounds to promote balance in your body. If you're intimidated to tip your toe into the water or you are curious about keto and haven't launched into the idea of being a fat burner, I would highly recommend going over to AllieMillerRD.com backslash ketosis hyphen class, grab one of the last spots left in the program, and we will both see you on January 9th. Yes, totally worth it. Hope to see you guys there.
0: Thank you for listening to the Naturally Nourished Podcast.